Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and I focus on holding financial conversations that lean into social equity, policy, and access with a splash of pop culture. My goal is to lead these conversations with empathy and help both my listeners and myself learn more about money along the way. For the next week, my guests and I will focus on when American women decide that they want more in their lives. Interestingly, many of the conversations centered around going into entrepreneurship. With that in mind, though, I do want to say that my guests and I aren't necessarily encouraging you to go into business. Instead, this conversation in my mind is a reflection of the policies that aren't in place here in the United States. Policies such as paid parental leave, generous paid sick leave, or just having a degree of flexibility and autonomy over your days so that you can run an errand, schedule a doctor's appointment, or take your kid to ballet. Or sometimes you just have to help your parents out when things come up. I often wonder how different American life would be for women if we had some of these policies in place. Would the choices we make be different? When I moved into digital entrepreneurship, I found myself collaborating with brands, doing 1099 work and needing to send out invoices and just having to set up systems to keep my business organized. It has been an ongoing process to find the right tools and systems for me. I'm so excited about a new tool that I now use that allows me to invoice clients, set up tasks, and even track my time as I work on specific tasks. I also use it as a CRM or client relationship management system. What's the tool's name? Harlow. I am obsessed with Harlow and I'm so excited that Harlow has partnered with me to bring the conversation around women wanting more personally, financially, and professionally to life. Harlow is a woman-owned business designed by former freelancers who understand the challenges of keeping creative businesses organized. I love how responsive the team is to my questions and occasionally I'll send in an email, which is a big deal as they continue to improve and refine this new tool. If you're looking for a comprehensive system to organize your invoicing, manage your clients, and keep yourself organized while seeing your cash flow, I encourage you to give Harlow a try. I am also a proud affiliate as well, so we're partnering, but I'm also an affiliate. Go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash Harlow to check it out. Laura Garapi. I'm the owner of Everyday by the Lake LLC, a written content creation company for busy business owners and online publication editors. I also run a website called Before You Go Freelance, and it's a series of resources for folks that uh, are looking to break into freelancing or want to take their freelance business to the next level. Today, we're talking about designing a life that matters and in particular for women and American women. So the, the scope of who we're talking about is very clear. It's American women. But I would love to talk about your journey to designing a life that was more intentional for you. If you could talk about how you got started doing what you do now and just what that transition looked like, I would love that. I get my way back machine and uh, go to late 2017. I was working in human resources. I've been in the profession for 
almost 10 years and it was a great job. You know, my last boss was terrific, but when I experienced a death in the family, I realized that three days of bereavement time, especially when you had to travel a great distance to attend the services, just didn't really cut it. I started to think about how could I still earn a living, but better respond to the priorities in my life. And that led me to ultimately quit my full-time job in HR. I had a little bit of a, a nest egg to fall back on. And at that moment, I, I didn't really know what it is that I was going to do. I just knew that it needed to be location independent and you know come with a flexible schedule. So I started blogging and making contacts in the online business world. And, you know, within a few months started earning some money for writing for other websites and it kind of just snowballed and evolved from there. For people who are curious about how you, how quickly you built up your services or how quickly did you see results? I get that you had a nest egg. So I think you had some time to really figure out what you wanted to do, but I feel like for a lot of people who are unfamiliar with working in online space and content creation, it's really hard to wrap their head around, well, how do I, how do I find clients and how do I find enough of them to even make money? Could you talk about the, that make money piece? Because at the heart of this conversation really is money and how we can use it in ways to better our lives, but also how we can attract it so that we can better our lives. So I'm curious to see how this became a thing. Like I remember when I quit and I was, it was weird because I quit. I went to Australia, I came back and then I like had a crazy good month. Cause I was just so super motivated, but then over time, like the motivation changed <laughs> because I didn't like what I was doing. I feel like there's a deja vu moment. So anyway, this is very broad, but walk us, walk us through this. Uh, well, it certainly wasn't overnight, you know, a, a lot of the, the reasoning behind my slow start was just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but a blog seemed like a reasonable place to start to kind of dip my toes into being involved in the online business space. My first freelance dollars came in, geez, uh, maybe four or five months after I had launched my blog. And it was because I got paid to write a guest post for a fairly prominent personal finance website. And when the accounts payable rep reached out to me and said, you know, where can I send the check? I pretty much fell out of my chair because I didn't even think I was going to get anything other than a link to my website out of it. And it was really an aha moment where I realized if I could replicate that process enough times, I could pay my bills. And so I really started to search for additional opportunities to do that. I reached out to someone on Twitter that said they were looking for writers and that website became my first consistent steady gig. And so now we're looking probably summer, fall of 2018 and I quit my corporate job in February of 2018. And then it just so happened that a personal um, finance conference called FinCon came to Orlando in 2018. And since that was in my backyard and I want a scholarship to attend, I thought, you know, I'd be crazy not to give this a shot. And at that conference, I landed additional clients. Certainly, again, this is not an overnight trajectory, but by mid-2019, you know, I was making around $5,000 a month, which is what I had been bringing in at my corporate job. So not earth-shattering money, but certainly 
consistently enough to cover my bills. As you mentioned, sometimes your motivation wanes, life changes, circumstances come up. Um, and unfortunately, in December of uh, 2019, I kind of had another shift because my father passed away. So this was late 2019. And I wound up taking the first quarter of 2020 completely off um, just to kind of restore my mental health. But even since coming back to the office, and it's been, she's going on three years now, I'm still not as I guess gung-ho about my productivity as I used to be. I still want to make progress. I still have goals. I'm still working towards them. But I also it's just the whole experience underscored the necessity to prioritize time, family, and relationships over making money. You know, making money is important. I want more of it, but I want it for less effort. So that way I have more time and energy to dedicate to things that are priorities in my life. So that's kind of where I am now is trying to look for new business opportunities that quite literally give me the most bang for my buck. One of the things I, I thought about when you're talking is, I mean, we're in a global pandemic. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. So throw that in I, too. <laughs> I am not the same Michelle pre-2020. Like I've changed what my my priorities are very different. I'm like you. I want the maximum amount of earning for a hell of a lot less effort. And I've had a lot of internal conversation with myself about what does my best life look like moving forward? What am I doing? What's my purpose? And what is going to bring me joy? Because it hasn't been as joyful the last couple, three, four years as I would have liked. <laughs> In thinking about this content, part of it's selfish. It's like, wh what are the conversations am I having with myself? Are other people having? this too, where they're like reevaluating everything. And I guess my question would be, you took this leap and we had all these crazy things happen. Do you regret that you, that you took that leap of faith and started your business? Or do you feel like grateful that you did because you had the time to kind of do the things that were most important, such as grieving and spending time with family and, and that kind of thing? Like what, when you look back, what do you think about the, the choices that you made? literally the best decision I've made in my life. Just having the freedom and flexibility to show up for what matters in the moment is worth its weight in gold. I don't, I wouldn't go back to a corporate job, no matter what the salary and benefits look like, you know, as, as a freelancer, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of uh, employer sponsored health insurance or retirement plans or paid time off or any of that, you know, and I do miss it. I won't, I won't lie. But every time I think I may want to get those perks back, I, I basically have to bring myself back down to earth and be like, listen, stupid, you know, it's not the right path for you to take. Like, how much would you be giving up to go back to that world? And I always come to the conclusion that it wouldn't be worth it. Let's talk practical matters. How do you take care of those really important things? At the heart of this podcast is money. How do you make sure that you are focusing on the things that really matter financially. So, you know, I will be the first to admit that I'm kind of in financial rebuild mood. I was in a fairly good position from a savings and debt perspective when my father passed away, but I, you know, after taking some time off to grieve, I went through quite a bit of my savings and I racked up debt, not only like retail therapy and vacations, but also, um, uh, 
to support my family. You know, he was sick for a while. So, you know, I was up in Massachusetts where I'm from for basically an entire month while he was ill after he passed for the services to try to help my mom. A lot of expenses went on credit cards. So I, I dug myself a hole that I'm still trying to dig out of. Um, so for right now, you know, as, as difficult as it is for me to say, being in the personal finance space, um, I'm doing a little better, but not much than living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm still in the process of restoring that security, which looks like, you know, low or no consumer debt and, you know, a couple of years worth of expenses in the bank. It's like, I'll get there, um, but I still have a ways to go. I feel like you have to give yourself some grace when it comes to that. It's not surprising to me that your money was impacted. You were grieving. Right. But as you move forward and you're looking at, okay, my financial priorities have changed and I have to address these things. What are some of the steps you're taking as a, as a a creative entrepreneur, really to make sure that you're earning the kind of income that you need to make sure that you can hit these goals. I don't think it's unusual actually as a, a content creator to have these moments where maybe cash flow is low or revenue gets hit or you just have you know a credit card that you use for expenses i don't think this is an unusual thing but i think the approach is um different than say you know if you're working a 9 to 5 you're like hey i just need a few hours what's different in addressing kind of a shortfall because you're you're trying to catch up with these other financial goals I mean, that's a great question. And I think that it's the multifaceted approach, at least in my case, where I'll reach out to uh, clients that you know maybe I haven't done a lot of business with recently to try to rekindle that relationship uh, to get some extra money flowing. Very recently, I've been hyper-focused on signing on with clients that pay a higher rate. So, you know, I have to crank out less words to get the same amount of cash, which is always great. And then I'm also in the process of cultivating what I hope to be eventually passive income streams. You have a million and one ideas for that. But at the present time, I'm focusing on launching a niche site about entrepreneurship that will hopefully generate a significant amount of ad revenue once the content gets built up and, and the traffic starts coming in. It's crazy to me that you bring this up because one of the big pivots that I'm doing right now is going back to the passive income revenue stream because before COVID I was getting, I was earning passive income in a couple of different ways and it was really starting to pick up. And then the lockdowns happened and I soon learned how much brain energy I was using to, to really work on those projects because I just didn't have it. I didn't have the energy to focus on them. And so this year I really recognized that I missed having that revenue coming in and kind of understanding that the process to do that is very, I enjoy it more, but it's definitely time intensive. It's really cool to me to hear that you're, you're kind of doing a similar thing, but I think it's smart because it it adds this buffer and gives you more options in terms of your business. If you know that you have two, three, four grand coming in from your website, that really changes how many other projects you, you could say that you would say yes to 
because you have this other predictable, somewhat predictable income coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, my eyes are getting big and I'm drooling over, you know, I see people talking about making twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month. You know, obviously they get like hundreds of thousands of page views to achieve that, but it's like, if they can do it, why not me? And that's, that's life-changing money. That's absolutely life-changing money. Just really working this passive income, you know, angle, it really kind of ties back into the whole premise of the series of using money to design the life that you want. It's like, if I can pay all of my expenses and, and pad my retirement account, pay off my house, all that kind of stuff off of these passive income streams that I cultivate, then I can gradually wean off these active ones and, until I no longer need them. For American women, what are some of the financial and policy barriers that you may have observed that impact our ability to design our best lives. It's one thing to be bold and take risks. There's the other piece where there there's definitely is a lack of policy that could probably be very helpful to us as we build our businesses and design our best lives. And the policy could be both for parents or not. What are your observations and what do you wish was in place in terms of policy that would make this a lot, lot easier to navigate around? Well, there's certainly a lot of angles that I could go with this, but, you know, I thought about this question kind of at length and the biggest policy hurdle I see right now is this rash of anti-independent contractor slash freelancer legislation that's happening in our government. So, you know, a, a few years back, a bill called 85 was passed in California it was a disaster. It put so many freelancers and small business owners out of business. Um, and even though it's been changed multiple times, there's still a, a ripple effect of damages for these poor folks. Um, you know, and recently the House passed the PRO Act, which is kind of a national version of AB5. As of now, it's still kind of spinning its wheels in the Senate. But now the Department of Labor has proposed a rule that's currently available for public comment that is essentially striving to do the same thing as the PRO Act while bypassing the lawmaking process. So I feel like the government is currently assaulting our ability to earn living as we see fit. And I think that is definitely something to watch out for, should influence how you vote, severely impacts women's options to design the life that they want. What were some of the challenges that you faced once you like left your old position and you, you were like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to explore doing something else. And by the way, I am baffled Laura <laughs> as to how you started with a blog and, and we're like, I'm going to make money with this. This, this actually really surprised me that you said this. Was that something that you expected to make money with within a year or what was the trajectory with that? You know, honestly, I was pretty clueless when I went into this whole online business world and I saw, you know, everybody and their brother had a blog. So I thought, you know, I should launch one because it, you know, if nothing else would give me the experience of creating a website, you know, it's valuable information to kind of get a behind the scenes look at how the internet works. You know, like I said, I was shocked when I made my first dollars from it. I, I think initially I, I was building the website just so I could get my name out there and, uh, and it worked. In terms of creating your own benefits package, what did that look like? 
Well, I certainly wouldn't advise folks to follow in my footsteps, particularly if they have chronic health conditions that they need to manage or are uncomfortable with risk. But since uh, becoming self-employed, I've not carried health insurance. Every year at open enrollment, I look at healthcare.gov and I say, geez, I'm going to pay three or $400 a month for a plan that has a six to $8,000 deductible. And I still have co-pays and man, oh man, like I'm going to have to shell out ten to $12,000 before I see any benefit to this. It's like, I might as well just pay for what I need out of pocket and knock on wood. I've been fortunate enough where those expenses have not exceeded the cost of the insurance. You know, like I'm aware if I you know, get a brain tumor tomorrow that I, you know, I'm going to be in medical debt for the rest of my life. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, if I get a brain tumor, how I'm paying for it is kind of a lesser concern at that point. So I definitely wouldn't recommend self-insuring, you know, in a lot of cases, but that's what I've gone with so far. In terms of retirement savings, right now I have a Roth IRA and uh, and a brokerage account. So those both get funded with after-tax dollars. So I have been exploring potentially opening up a solo 401k just so I could save for my retirement in a tax-advantaged way. However, even at 37, I'm still hanging on to this pipe dream that I might be able to retire early. So my focus has been um, trying to build uh, retirement income streams that I could um, access without penalty prior to age 59 and a half. Is it selfish to want to design your life in the way that best serves you? This, this is something that's come up in every conversation in some sort of way. And I'm curious to hear what you think. No, I don't, I don't think it's selfish at all. I mean, I think the word selfish has really negative connotations. And, and, and I mean, I know that it's, normally intended to be that way, but doing things for yourself isn't a negative thing. And I think in fact, the majority of folks that try to redesign their life in the way that best suits them do so in order to be around and support others, you know, um, sure, there's, there's probably some that are hermits or don't have a lot of close family and friends that are just like, okay, I want to work the least amount of hours as possible. So I can sit here in my house by myself and not help other people, but I think that would probably be a very small percentage. So most people redesign their life so they can care for their children or an aging parent or travel with their spouse or have time to volunteer for a cause that's meaningful to them. So in that case, I think redesigning your life is is kind of selfless. I wanted to circle back to the insurance because it's been very interesting talking to people from different parts of the U.S., one of the topics that doesn't have enough conversation around it, and maybe I'll, I'll do a couple of episodes on it in the future sometime, but it is very interesting seeing how this, the federal exchange, like the government exchange versus state exchanges function in terms of choice for citizens who are using those platforms. So by this, what I mean is when the original law, uh, Affordable Health Medical Care Act law was 
being put into place. There were states that were like, we do not support this and we're not going to create an exchange, like let the government do it. And then there were other states that were like, oh, we love it. We're going to, we're going to create exchange. And I live in a state that has the exchange. I know that you live in a state that has a state exchange and you live in a state that uses the government exchange. And the difference in experience is so interesting to me. Um, I currently have Kaiser. I do pay $430 a month, but I'm also not not 20. I don't think it's unreasonable. I used to work in an insurance agency back in the day. I think it's reasonable for where I'm at, but my deductible is $2,000. That's pretty good. It's really much better than six. Oh, oh, hell yeah. And so one of those conversations that I feel like we all should be pushing on or pushing back on is this idea that we should, it's like, it doesn't make sense that, um, we have these choices that don't serve us well in one place, but in another place, they're pretty okay. Like that doesn't make sense. It's the same country. And I wish there was a way to figure out how to streamline that, but because it is the U S that's the antithesis of how federalism kind of works. It's going to be very difficult to have something, have similar access because each state does its thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think trying to figure out the United States healthcare system and, and to navigate it is a giant Pandora's box can of worms kind of thing. And even just listening to talk about the differences in, in exchange experiences, I, I start thinking about, you know, why does this prescription cost more through insurance versus when I pay cash versus when I pay good Rx. Like why, why would it cost more if I use my insurance versus when I don't have insurance? Like it makes no sense. None of it makes sense. No. <laughs> what does next year look like for you? What are you working towards and what are you hoping the next year will bring? Well, next year on a personal front, I hope to do a little bit more traveling. I, uh, I got one trip in this year to see family in Massachusetts, which was great as a road trip with my mom. Um, but I haven't really had the opportunity to travel much with my, with my guy. So I'm hoping that opens up um, in the coming months. But from a professional perspective, I definitely want to go kind of heads down on this niche site so that Hopefully by this time next year, I'm actually earning some money from it. You know, it's a very long game process when generate revenue from SEO rankings. So I know I need to be patient and consistent with that. But for more immediate money, I'm just going to continue to replace uh, low paying and slash annoying clients with higher paying, better uh, <laughs> clients <laughs> and, and just kind of go from there. Um, I'm kind of keeping things open-ended. I, I always like to reserve a little bit of space for something uh, unplanned, especially when it comes to business. Um, I like to hop on new opportunities as they present themselves. If you could do me a favor and share how we can follow what you're doing and support your work, that would be fantastic. Awesome. I'd, I'd love to. And, and thank you for the opportunity to do that. Folks can uh, see me at everydaybythelake.com or beforeyougofreelance.com. I respond to all emails personally. So if you'd like to start a conversation, you can reach me at laura at everydaybythelake.com. And I'm also super active on Twitter. 
And so that would be at Everyday Late. Thank you so much. I am so appreciative of your time and I'm excited to hear more offline about your niche website. I've got questions, but thrilled to share updates. And I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and reach your listeners. And I, and I hope you know our conversation does something to help and inspire them. It will. 